As a priest, I've had the opportunity to celebrate many weddings. And oftentimes, one of the popular readings at those weddings is our second reading today from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Those beautiful lines, love is patient, love is kind, love never fails. It's a, a beautiful kind of exciting, trusting hope. What a, what a great way to start a marriage with this beautiful ideal held out before us about what love might look like. Sadly, later in my priesthood, I've also, as some of you know, become a canon lawyer and work when I'm not here at the, the chancery in the marriage tribunal, judging marriage nullity cases. When marriages have failed to live up to that beautiful, hopeful ideal with which they begin, day after day I get to read the, the sad accounts of how it seems that love has failed. Over and over, we, we start with the beautiful ideal, love, love never fails. And yet, if we look at our society today, it, it seems like, how can we say that? It seems like love fails all the time. I would offer that perhaps it's not really love that, that fails, but rather our expectations of love and what we think love might look like. Today, we are perhaps more than ever in the history of the world conditioned by images on TV, social media, movies that try to say, well, this is what love is, this passionate, romantic, high feeling of someone who completes me, all my needs are met, there's no suffering, it's just joy. Romantic love, Valentine's Day, every day. Well. Is that the, the actual reality of love? I think anyone who's tried to do it would tell you, well, no. And that, that's true, not just for marriage, but priesthood, religious life. At some point, I always tell young couples I'm preparing for marriage, there will come a day in your marriage, and it might not be too long, when after you're married, you will be sitting there in some crisis and catastrophe, or just feeling down, and the words will come to your mind, well, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought I was getting. At that moment, just hear Father Sean's words in your ears. I told you this day would come. Don't panic, keep going. I thought, I thought of this the other day. I was um, sitting in some beautiful place on a porch looking at the scenery and uh, as I was looking at the scenery, a, a family came to take a family picture with the, the scenery as the backdrop and they were gonna take one of those pictures that you often see on Facebook, you know, everyone is just looking so beautiful and it's like everyone's in love and even the dog is sitting there well-behaved and it's the kind of picture on Facebook that often makes people depressed because you look at that and say, gosh, look at them. That's a pretty nice looking family. My family's not like that. We're a mess. Look at all them in love. Even their dog's in love with them. My dog won't even come when I call. It's a mess, our family. Well, as I was looking at this picture being taken, and I, I thought of you know, what would end up on, on Facebook, here's the, uh, the backstory of that picture, because it took like 15 minutes to set up this picture. Meanwhile, the, the little son was pulling his sister's hair, the dog was running around biting people, 
And the, the, I, I do believe some cuss words were uttered by the wife to the husband trying to tell him where to go and what he needed to do to fix all this mess as the kids were running around. One kid punched another kid and was gonna throw them off the side of the hill on which they were on, like in our gospel today. It took 15 minutes to settle this war that was going on in front of me while the photographer is about ready to leave. I think at one point she was ready to pack up her stuff and say, the heck with this, I'm out of here. And then finally, after 15 minutes at least of fighting, they all got lined up. And after like, it had to be at least 20 different attempts of this picture because, hey, stop pulling her hair. You turn around right now. And cuss words going everywhere. The dog runs away. Finally, we have to pull him back. And then after at least 20 attempts, one of those blessed pictures is the one you see on Facebook. There they all are. Gosh, I wish I had their life. Okay, perhaps it's not so much love that fails, but our, our expectation of what we think love should look like. Because somehow this family has made it through, I don't know, countless years to get to this big fight. They're going to go home and that fight is going to go on again. As soon as the camera was done, like, you get back over here. You run to the, it's just a mess. I was thinking about that as I was also doing some genealogy work this week. And I, I was looking at my great, great, great grandfather because it's, it's Kansas day this weekend. And he came to Kansas in 1854 uh, with his, his wife and, his, his newborn son who died on the voyage on the way from Ireland to, to get to Kansas. When they were here, they, they had, it wasn't settled here. They took a piece of ground and started a farm. And I think how difficult that would be. And I look at the names of the, the kids and then I look at their kids and all the, the marriages. And I think I noticed I've got hundreds of marriages recorded in my genealogy software in my family. Of those that are, are dead, not a single divorce. The only divorces and all those hundreds of marriages in my software are in the last couple decades. What is it that seems to have gone so wrong lately in our culture that all of a sudden marriages are in great difficulty and struggle, there's great pain and suffering and enough that people are, are leaving their marriages left and right and they wind up on my desk over at the tribunal, looking to see if perhaps this marriage was even null from the beginning. What has gone so wrong? Why, why does love not seem to work the same way it did, apparently, for all of our ancestors that went before us? Well, I think we need to go back to St. Paul's letter, this beautiful meditation on love, the ideal we hold up, and see what, what St. Paul might be really talking about. Love is patient. That sounds just so beautiful, doesn't it? And I think we often think that I want a spouse, yeah, who will be patient with me. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to be patient too, but wouldn't it be great that, ah, oh, we're just both so patient. Well, it, it loses a little bit in translation. First of all, the word love here is, is not the sentimental, romantic kind of love. The word in Latin is caritas, which is the same word we translate as charity. It's a much deeper kind of word than the superficial idea of love we see in the movies. But love is patient. The word behind patient in Latin, patior, it, it means to suffer. It literally says the deep abiding caritas of the heart. If it's real love, love is willing to suffer for another. 
don't know how many people on their wedding day want to think about, let's talk about all the suffering that is ahead of you. Now, people that are in marriage, like, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of suffering. Paul is literally saying, love is willing to suffer for somebody else. That's love. Love is, is not jealous, it's not pompous, not inflated, not rude. It doesn't seek its own interests. If there's something that is just the opposite of love, it's selfishness. Why, why is married love so difficult? Well, because getting to heaven is difficult and the thing that stands in the way most of us getting to heaven and being forever in the love of God is selfishness. I want my will, not God's will. So God puts another person in front of you to say, no, no, love this person. Seek that person's interest above your own. And if you do that, not only will you have a happy marriage or a happy friendship, you will grow out of your selfishness and grow in the ability to live the life of heaven. We see how marriage and true love is a great gift because it causes us to suffer, to say, I will put myself second behind this other person. Sometimes when I hear those words, you know, love is, love is kind. It's not quick-tempered. It doesn't rejoice over wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. That, that word kind so many times what destroys a, a marriage is when things are difficult, unkind words are said, sometimes deliberately to injure the other person. Sometimes people will come in confession and say, oh, Father, I, I really know how to, to push my wife's buttons, and I, I got mad, and I did. To think that we would you know, use the intimacy of knowing another person to know how we can hurt them, that's, that's where we know original sin is there. And what a, what a betrayal of love to say, I know that person, so I know how to hurt them. And yet we, we do exactly that sometimes. Why is this? Why does our, our love seem to be so destroyed right now? Well, I think it's, it's because of our humanness. We have to always remember that the, the love that St. Paul is talking about here, that is able to do all these things, just you know, bears all things. Who could do that? God. God alone. God is love, we often hear, and only God can love perfectly. As with, with any sacrament in our Catholic system, all these signs, that's what a sacrament is, it's a sign that points to something else. Marriage in this life, all love, religious life, love, celibate love, friendship, love, it's all meant to be a share in the love of God. It's meant to express to this world this is how God loves. That is an impossible order for us as human beings. We will always fall short. So there's no way we can say in our loving that we never fail on love because we fail all the time. But in those little lines to bear all things, to suffer, if you are willing to suffer for another, to bear with another, to put someone else's needs ahead of yours because you love that person, now I would say you've, you've started to get the essence of the love of God. There are times in my life since I'm, I'm not married, I don't have a spouse, and therefore my, my friends are very, very important to me, especially my, my best friends. It is precisely when I, I know that a friend is suffering and I've, I've had friends with great suffering, mental illness, physical illness, 
great struggles, to be able to feel a call within me to even to stand by them, to suffer with them. It's really at those moments sometimes when I've been blessed with an insight to say, I think now is when I really love the best. When I'm not seeking my own interest, when there's nothing in it for me, as I sometimes hear people say, if I can just see that person as a, a good in their own to be loved, now that's, that's, a, that's a spark of the, the real love, to say, I don't, I don't get anything out of this, but in giving, I find the greatest gift. This is what St. John Paul the Great called the law of the gift from the Second Vatican Council that we, we kind of see that we only find our fulfillment and happiness, our true purpose in life to the extent that we make ourselves a gift for another. And when a spouse, a friend, a child is suffering and we are able to stick with that, to say, this does not feel good. I want to leave. I want to get out of this situation, but we stay. We are patient. We are willing to suffer, to bear all things. Now I think we've got a little grasp of the way God loves, because the ultimate expression of God's love is that he not only became one of us, but was willing to suffer death, as we say in the creed, to die for us. If you wanna know who you really love, and if you really love, ask yourself, who are you willing to suffer and die for? That's, that's love. In the end, Paul tells us these three great things, faith, hope, love, the three great theological virtues, the highest call. Well, faith, we won't need in heaven because we'll see God face to face. You don't have to have faith in God when you're looking at him. No faith required. It's all fulfilled. Hope, that great virtue, one of the greatest we have, causes us to desire heaven. When we're in heaven, we don't need hope anymore. So faith and hope don't last because they're not needed in heaven. But love, St. Paul tells us the greatest is love. And he could only say that because in heaven, love is all there is. In heaven, all we take with us is love, our relationships. That's why this life really does matter. All the souls that are in this church today are destined to be with God forever in heaven. If we wanna be in heaven, it means we wanna be with all of you. That's why we can't hate anybody. That's why if we're not reconciled, the scriptures say, go be reconciled. It doesn't make sense that I've got someone that I don't wanna be with in this life and then I'm gonna spend heaven forever with them. You gotta be reconciled. You gotta put the suffering away. You gotta make good. You gotta try to live in communion because in heaven, that's all there is, just love. Now in this life, yeah, we, we mess it up. That Facebook picture is, well, it's, it's, it's fake. It's a moment in time that didn't hardly even exist. But love in heaven, now that goes on forever. So we're not gonna do it right in this world, but we've gotta try. And perhaps our expectations are just a little off right now. We think that love fails and it's not my fault. I'm gonna go find somebody else because probably it's, it's the other person that messed this up. I'm gonna go try somebody's, I'm gonna go find them. That love, you're not gonna find because that love is only found in suffering, perseverance, patience, and commitment. 
we will do that imperfectly. That kind of love that we try to do will fail all the time. But if we try to love like God, if we are in his love, then only in the love of God can we truly say love never fails.